Hello and welcome to the On The Hump podcast. I'm Steve Ryder and I'm joined by Tom and Ryan to have a look at the upcoming action on Friday and Saturday at Newmarket and also over the jumps at Chepstow. But we'll start off in the uh, Newmarket on Friday. The 150 is the Cornwallis Stakes. Group 3 over 5 furlongs for the two-year-olds. Uh, Michael O'Callaghan trained Twilight Jet to win this race last year and Ryan Moore looks a notable booking on Crispy Cat this year. Uh, Rye, who do you like in this one? Yeah, not a massively interesting race for me personally, five year five long, two year old group three at this time of year. But um I did like Crispy Cat out of the out of the field. There's quite a lot of pace in the race. Rogue Spirits made the running before. Squeal has made the running the last couple of times. Uh, Lady Havana has before. And last time out, um Prince of Pilo made the running at air. So there's quite a lot of pace on and Crispy Cat is a horse that's usually sort of midfield and held up. So Ryan Moore, obviously one of the best in the business. He's going to be tactically aware of what's going on and um, sort of sitting behind all of the pace. Um, the, the slight question mark is that he, he hasn't actually won since his debut at the start of the year, um, about six or seven runs ago. But you sort of look through that form and he was a short head behind Blackbeard and Ireland. He was obviously a bit of an unlucky third when, when badly hampered in the Norfolk. Um, and then last time out, he was uh, ahead a couple of these when third to uh, the Platinum Queen and Trillium, who have obviously sort of boosted the form since in their own ways. Um, so, yeah, I just saw Crispy Cat. He's got one of the best jockeys in the business on board. He's going to have a, a really good pace to aim at. And um, sort of the drop down to five field longs sort of helped last time out behind uh, two of the best fillies, two of the best two-year-old fillies anyway, over this sort of trip. And um, he doesn't have them to, to uh, race against this weekend. So, yeah, Crispy Cat would be the one for me. Yeah, shout out to Bet365, who are four places on this and biggest price at five to one. So they definitely want some each way bets on Crispy Cat on Friday. Uh, Tom, who do you like? Yeah, I thought Prince of Pilo was a relatively worthy favourite, to be honest, like that routed air. It was just so much better than anything in the field's done. And if you follow the market, it was kind of expected, wasn't it? But favourites have a bit of a so-so record in this race. And I'm always like a little bit conscious about backing horses that just have that one piece of form that's like miles clear of the rest when the short odds like like 13 to 8. It's just a bit short, isn't it? So I, I looked for a little bit of value elsewhere. And the one that I landed on was Carl Burke's 40 to 1 outsider, Lady Hamana. She was actually only like half a length behind Prince of Pilo in the um, in the Flying Childers at Doncaster. I know that you can kind of upgrade Prince of Pilo anyway because um, the he, he took a bit of a bump coming out of the stalls from Trillium. But um, yeah, I mean that was early on. I don't think it was the reason he got beat that day. I just thought he improved a fair bit from that run to air. So I thought it was another thing that was quite interesting was that. Carl Burke, like he's had a sensational year with all of his two-year-olds. Like think of all the two-year-olds that he could have run in the Flying Childers, and he uh, he ran this filly. I, I just thought that she showed a fair bit of improvement from her, from her first start to a second run when dropping to five furlongs at Wolves. The horse that she beat that day, um, a horse of Charlie Appleby's. I mean, she was give, she was getting a lot of weight from that horse. I forgot the name, sorry, but um, she was getting a lot of weight, but. That horse has won again since in a handicap off like 86 and is rated 90. So there is a little bit of substance to a former Wolves as well. Uh, I just thought that she wouldn't have really appreciated the soft ground at Doncaster last time. Like you look at her page, 
she's by the Aussie Super Sayer, I am invincible, and most of his have been better on better ground. So I, I think the better ground here at Newmarket will be much more in her favour. Like Rice said, there's a lot of pace as well. She made all at Wolves, but um, I think that was just kind of... It's one of those where I find that horses with experience in novices, they tend to not want to get caught too far back. So if they break well, they will kind of sit fairly prominent. So I think it was just a case of she she broke really well at Wolves. I don't think she's an out-and-out out front runner by any means. She just kind of made the most of her experience that day. So, yeah, I mean, just looking at these, uh, I think she's going to get a decent little toe into the race. A few of these, like Rogue Spirit, right touched upon. A couple of them are just kind of improving handicappers, taking the chance at group level or horses like Mail and Sea, for example, that have just been in poor form in group company. Whereas Lady Hamana, she's only had the three runs. She's like more ex more unexposed, I should say. Sorry, the most of these, I, I could just see her really outrunning the rods. So yeah, at forty to one when she's only, in theory, got half length to make up with a 13 to 8 favourite for all these, obviously, one well since. I just thought it was a little bit of a crazy price and worth a chance. Shoot for the moon in the first race. Yeah, Tom, look at one of the big price then. I'd weigh behind Rye, to be honest. I thought Crispy Cat was the, the obvious kind of each-way play, to be honest. I'd, I'd be surprised if he's sort of out of the, out of the finish. So, yeah, 5-1, to one, it'd be Crispy Cat for me. Uh, we'll then skip a race, move on to the three o'clock, the challenge stakes, group two over seven furlongs. Tom, some old favourites in here. Who are you with? Yeah, can I just say it's really nice of the Phillies to prop this race up. The Phillies and Mares, isn't it? Like five of the eight runners, the Phillies on Mares. So it tells a tale of how few and far between the Colts are really at this level. But I just think it's worth keeping the Philly at the head of the market on side here in Sacred. Like she ran an absolute blinder first run of the season in the Platinum Jubilee uh, seasonal debut. I mean, on paper, she looked to go a little bit backwards from there. At Goodwood, she ended up like way too far back. Actually ran all right considering where she came from. And then she was very disappointed at York, but she bounced proper back to her best. And you could even argue, I know it was only a listed race, but you could even argue that kind of what she did last time was a career best when destroying the field at Newbury. I just think sometimes you've got to keep it simple. Like she's just at her best. She is better than all the rest in this race. And to be honest, I'd be disappointed if she was beaten. So yeah, sacred at six to four, uh, five to four, sorry, would be the first leg of her incoming double. Ah, I see. Um, yeah, 13 to eight available in one place. So you can shop around and get a slightly bigger price than sacred. Um, I thought Pogo was the kind of the one here really. Um, Probably better over seven furlongs for a mile. So the fact they missed the Joel stakes for this is a positive for me. He's won group threes on his first two starts this season. Uh, bounced back from a below par effort at Newbury to finish second behind Kinross at York. That form's obviously been boosted with Kinross winning the foray since. Um, and yeah, I, th I thought they should be closer together at the top of the market, really. The negative, obviously, is Kieran Schumacher knows him so well. Obviously, an enforced jockey change, but William Buick isn't exactly a bad deputy, is he? Um, it doesn't look the strongest Group 2 contest behind the two at the top of the market. I just thought the price discrepancy between the two was too big, really. Sacred is obviously really good last time, but like Tom said, she had kind of appeared to dip um, out of form. She finished behind Pogo at both Goodwood and York. So, yeah, whether she's that, I wouldn't, let's put it this way, I wouldn't want to be lumping in at, at kind of five to four even money. Um, 
on a horse who's kind of disappointed during a couple of starts before. So Pogo, I thought, was the kind of the obvious play um, at around at around seven to two and eight runners. I actually wouldn't mind backing him each way, if I'm honest. I know I'll get a few pelters for that. But yeah, I, I think he has a real, real strong chance of winning. But I can't see him out of the three. Right, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'll be a third selection. Not a, a must be strong going out. I'm completely behind Tom with the sacred. I think she's the one to beat. Like you look through her seven furlong form, she won her group two Hungerford. Um, she beat Saffron Beach in the Nalgoen. And then she hacked up last time out down in listed company, sort of a boost of confidence against a weaker field. So she has got everything going for her. But I think there's there's quite a lot of pace here. Misty Gray's an out and out. Uh, Mark Johnson front runner Pogo, he likes to get get on with it, and Oscula as well. She she's a prominent horse. So um, yeah, I do think the race is going to set up nicely for Sacred. But if Newmarket gets a lot of this rain that's been about the last few days, and it does does turn soft, um, I'd be quite interested in Purple Play for the other William Haggis horse at eight to one. Um, she's actually quite interesting because her last 10 runs have all been at one mile or one mile one or one mile two. Um, she's now dropping down to seven furlongs, but similar to sort of sacred, a lot of her forms at a higher level. Her last five runs, three of them have been in group ones and the others two have been in group twos. She was um, third in a group one in St. Clou. She was sixth in the Irish Guineas. She then won a group two at Chantilly with a nice turn of foot um, before she was sort of hampered early on in the, the pre-poly in Ireland, another group one, and then she was fifth last time out of the core in a group two. So she's taking um, a dropping class as well. And I just thought if it does get a little bit testing, she's got four months off ground, obviously in France and earlier in the season as well. And um, yeah, just given that she's, the fact that she stays a bit further, if they do go a really good gallop with those couple of front runners in there, it might just set it up for her to, to come off the pace if it does turn into a bit of a stamina test. But yeah, Sacred is definitely the one want to be for me okay we'll then move on to the 335 the Phillies mile group one over a mile uh, a race that looks at the mercy of commissioning if uh, odds of four to six and four to seven um, that are currently available um, I I wanted to do this as kind of an, an each way race to be honest I was blown away by Bright Diamond on her debut um, was really really taken by that I wasn't disappointed with her run in the group three at Goodwood last time she just looked really inexperienced and then ran on well at the finish to finish third um she finished less than two lengths behind the winner at the finish that day this step up to a mile definitely looks sure to suit from seven furlongs last time and I do think she's kind of the biggest danger to the favorite Polly Potts obviously progressed really really well won four in a row including kind of winning that Mayhill stakes at 40 to one um but yeah, this is obviously a, a, another step up in class. I thought Bright Diamond was the one that could put it up to commissioning. But yeah, you know, you don't need me to tell you that, that a four to six, four to seven shot has obviously a strong, a strong chance in this race. But I still really like Bright Diamond as a horse going forward. And yeah, I'd be disappointed if she didn't kind of at least make the favourite work for it in this. But Rye, can you see past commissioning at all or, or are you looking at one each way? Yeah, pretty much the same for me with commissioning as, as her run last time out. I remember saying that, you know, I wouldn't back her at the price, but again, I just wouldn't bother taking her on at the price. And um, she actually drifted like a barge the last day to quite an attractive price. But yeah, I mean, for me, it'd be the same this time. Like, I wouldn't bother taking her on. I think she she's the, the one who could be a superstar at the whole field, but then I wouldn't be backing her either. So yeah, no race for me. 
Okay, Tom, this second leg of your double? Yeah, to be honest, like I, I was quite keen to take a run in the Rockfell. I thought, given she was such a strong stare, I thought seven furlong might catch her out last time. And I was especially keen, given that she wears a hood for a reason. But, like, I mean, I was completely wrong, but she won, like, with so much authority going away at the end. And, like, just looking back at that race, the Rockfell field, I thought it was actually stronger than this Phillies Milers, to be honest. So, yeah, I thought a weaker field, a step up to one mile, more kind of in her favour. I thought she was fairly bulletproof, to be honest. Like, you don't need me to tell tell you for ages how good a form is kind of thing. But, yeah, I thought the 4-6 to six was probably value, to be honest. I could easily see her going off at 1-2 to two for all that she did drift last time. I don't think she'll be doing that again. So, yeah, sacred commissioning double pays around kind of 2-1. to one. I am on. Well, I'm not not yet, of course. I will be. <laughs> uh, last race on the Friday at Newmarket will preview the 4.10, the old Rowley Cup. Uh, handicap over mile and a half. Right, who do you like? Yeah, um, I actually like the top weight here for um, Huey Morrison in Maxud. Um, he won on debut in a big field, and then he had a patch of form where he just didn't really show to show his true running in smaller fields that, that didn't suit. Um, he ran in a six-runner, cocked heart uh, at Goodwood, won by Lionel. The slow pace didn't suit there. He went to the Hampton Court at Ascot, or Ascot, where Claymore controlled it from the front, and it was a, a slow, messy race there. But then he went into Handicap Company at um, the Goodwood Festival uh, over one-mile, four furlongs, and ran a, a really, really good race when, again, he was really keen early, but sort of settled through the second part of the race and sort of made a kick for home and then got done on the line by secret state of Godolphin, who was off 100 that day. He's now rated 111. Um, you go back and forth with Solcombe for William Haggis, who was 81. I think he's 98 rated after bolting up in the Malrose. So two really sort of handicapped plots there. And um, yeah, Max Sud was um, second that day and rather unlucky to just get chinned on the line by secret state after being a bit keen early. Now, he was put in his place by Crest the last time out in a listed race at Windsor. Um, but again, it was a small field and they, they made the running with him that day. And I don't think he's a horse that really wants to be out in front. He wants to get covered up a little bit. And um, I mean, Crest didn't do the, ho- the form any, any harm, actually, because he was only a length and a quarter behind Hamish in the Cumberland Lodge at the weekend. So Crest could be a fairly decent horse in his own right. But... Yeah, I like the fact that he's in a bigger field. He's back in handicap company. I think he can take one of these. And then the crucial thing is the hood goes on for the first time, which I'm, I'm glad it is because he is a horse that has been very keen. Like like I say, at Goodwood, um, he was just very, very keen in the first half of the race. Just just never give the jockey much of a chance, but settled sort of halfway through the race. So if he can sort of put it all together and get settled in a big field handicap, I definitely think um he can win one of these before getting back into sort of listed in, in group three company and perhaps behind um the other one i'd give a mention to but the price has sort of gone with him uh, but i do think he's been a long-term aim for this race and that's educator um i think connections have had an eye on this quite some way out uh, he ran last week and just looked like he completely needed it he was outpaced over one mile two looked like he would come on plenty for the run and i think connections would be just desperate to get a prep run into him um that was off a five-month break from april to september and um earlier in the year back in the spring he improved loads for stepping up to one mile two at Newmarket when he got up on the line and um, i think he's only going to improve stepping back up in back up in trip he's by deep impact the damn one over one mile four and one mile six so yeah he should have no no issue with the trip 
And um, yeah, that run last time out, I think, would have put him spot on for it. But he's been a bit of an anti-post gamble for the race, I think. Um, the anti-post guy from at the race, he's put him up and a, a few others. So he's sort of gone from 12s into about 60s. So uh, Max Sud would be the one for me. I think he, I think he's 9 to 1, 10 to 1. So yeah, I think with the first time Hood going on, off top weight, back in a big field handicap, he can go close. Yeah, 9 to 1, widely available. Uh, Tom, who do you like? Yeah, I, d- I didn't really have that strong an opinion on the race. I thought the two from the Ascot race, Laia Kell and uh, First Ruler, I thought they were pretty kind of rightfully at the head of the market here. I think the way that kind of Lyakel travelled suggested he, he has a lot more in the tank, but given Adam Farragher was claiming £5 last time, um, and he's obviously been replaced by Marquand on Friday, he's he's effectively £9 worse off with First Ruler, who was given a very forceful ride from the front by Ryan Moore and only just gave best late on. So I, I thought kind of new market, those kind of tactics might work a little bit better. And Buick doesn't really get it wrong at new market very often. So I thought I, I'd fancy him at the, of the two at the top. I'll say two at the top. Obviously, Educate has been a, a little bit of a gamble to join them. But um, yeah, of, of those two from that Ascot race, I'd, I'd quite fancy um, I'd quite fancy first ruler to reverse that form personally. But um, I, I think six to one is just about about right. Like for all you each way shysters out there, like he's probably the the one that you want to be on each way, like and and get your money back. But I'm I'm personally not that keen on backing horses that kind of price each way. But I don't really want to back and win only either. I, I thought there, there was one that I'd not put anybody off a couple of quid on, and that was uh, thundering at sixteen to one for Kevin Ryan and Kevin Stott. Like just watch his run back at Haydock last time. He was given absolutely no chance from the position he was in. Really needed to be prominent in that race. And I think perhaps he just didn't really stay as strongly as connections thought he might up to one mile six. But like you look back at his two previous seconds, he's second to Farhan against the older horses in a really valuable handicap at the Ebor meeting, and um, where he flew late from nowhere. And at Newcastle, he was just he was second to the uh, subsequent Shogar Cup winner, Pride of Priory, at Newcastle, where he just got kind of mugged late on. I, I do think Pride of Priory was quite kind of cosy, given that Thundering did his best to cut him up and meant that he had to Pride the winner had to uh, switch wide. Um, Thundering managed to grab the rail, but he was still a little bit unlucky to get mugged late on. But obviously, given a uh, Pride of Priory boosted the form that day, it's nothing to be ashamed of. But um, yeah, I think they'll work out to be two kind of very decent pieces of form, to be honest. Like Farhan, you look back at his form, and he was a November handicap winner last year. And yeah, I just think that he's kind of priced up because he's northern, isn't he? Like you get these big new market handicaps, and the northern trainers like Kevin Ryan, um, well, or Mira, you, you know what I mean, Colbert, they tend to be generally underestimated in these handicaps when you're up against the Haggis, the the app will be that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I thought he was a little bit overpriced on those two pieces of form. So if I was having a bet in the race, I, I think thundering at 16 to 1 would be the each way player for me. Fair enough. I was looking at one at a big price in this. Um, Charlie Appleby has won this twice in the last five years, including last year with six, can he? Um, despite being the biggest price of his four runners, I actually thought Wild Crusade was too big at around 25s in this, to be honest. Um, won his first start since a gelding operation, albeit obviously a, a three-runner race. He beat a better fancied stable mate that day. 
Um, he's disappointed on his last couple of starts. Um, he was sent off only four to one for the Melrose, but weakened badly over a mile and six, and then kind of struggled at Ascot last time, which is a track and course and distance that he he'd previously won at. So he appeared to have gone the wrong way. He's now fitted with first-time blinkers, so that hopefully will spark a bit of life back to him. Um, he's dropped in the weights for his kind of two below-par efforts. He's now only rated five pounds higher than his victory three starts ago. Um, and I thought 25 to one in first-time blinkers was actually a bit too big for him here. He'd looked a really sort of progressive three-year-old up until then. And uh, yeah, I thought Wild Crusade was a big price at 25 to one in this. Uh, we'll then move on to Saturday at Newmarket at uh, three o'clock and arguably the highlight of the uh, the weekend for me will be the, the Dewhurst Stakes at three o'clock. Uh, group one over seven furlongs, obviously won by some fantastic horses in the past. Uh, the likes of Frankel, Dawn Approach, Churchill, Pinatubo, St. Mars Basilica, like the list goes on really. Um, and Tom, for me, it, it looks a really, really good renewal this year. Um, kind of, yeah, you've got... the the big guns all kind of turning up, in my opinion. You've got Saki, you've got Nostrum, you've got um, Naval Power, Chaldean. Like, it's, it looks a really good race. Who, who's kind of top of your shortlist? Yeah, I, I agree. It looks like an absolute... Just if, if this race doesn't get you aroused, then racing isn't really for you. Like, you've got... Saki was so impressive in the Mill Reef last time. Like, Naval Power at the time, he won at Ascot. He, he was kind of the anti-post favourite for the Guineas. I know he's not anymore, and he was maybe a little kind of subpar next time at Haydock, but he did make loads of trouble in running that day. You've got, like, Chaldean. He's won an A Commander Champagne, albeit in kind of, you might call them messy affairs. And that's not to mention you've got another, like, five other Group 2 winners that are entered up. But I think my vote would go to the second favourite, and that's Nostrum. I just think I just get a bit of an expert eye vibe about him. I mean, hopefully he runs better in this than expert eye did. But like Sir Michael Stout, he doesn't have lords of debut winners, does he? But when he does and, and they win as well as this lad did, you know that they're going to be like very good. You look at, say, Desert Crown, look what he turned out to be. You look at expert eye as an example, what he turned out to be. Yeah, I just think that... Um, yeah, look, look at his debut at Sandown. Like he pulled three lengths clear of Golden Speech, who's rated 90. Um, arrest of John Gosden's was back in third. He's rated 95 now. And he pulled like clear easily of those. Um, and obviously, Golden Speech had experience as well, two runs. Like he followed that up with a win in the Tattersall Stakes at Newmarket from Holloway Boy. And he was previously second to Marban in the. Uh, I forget, I forget which way around. The, I think it was the vintage, wasn't it, at Glorious Goodwoods, and Victory Dance, who was kind of touted as one of Appleby's maybe Guineas horses. Like he, he seemed to go down a similar route to some of their Guineas horses, didn't he? And look, I mean, Nostrum didn't exactly blow them away, but again, it was a pretty messy race. Like it was a forerunner race, but given just how out of out of the depth the fourth was, it was essentially like a three-runner race, and it was a bit messy. But he won quite easily. Like you look at the two horses that he beat as well, Holloway Boy and Victory Dance. Like the the both kind of Holloway Boy won the uh, Chesham Stakes at debut, second in a Group Two. Victory Dance was second in a Group Two at the July course. I forget the name. The Superlative Stakes, isn't it? And um, he won a listed race as well. So you've got horses there that had more experience than um, Group Race experience as well. And he just never really looked in doubt. Like 
Holloway boy came a little bit alongside and he, you just always felt, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I always felt that he was holding them. I didn't have like a, a moment of doubt, but yeah, I, I just think that he'll benefit from much more of a kind of proper pace here. He's a proper horse and I, I know he'll need to be to win this because it's a proper race, but I, I'm really excited for him. I think he is, uh, he is kind of the real deal, if you like. So yeah, Nostrum at eleven to four for me. Yeah, I was in complete agreement with you. Like, it's not a strong opinion because there are just some brilliant two-year-olds in this. Um, but like you, I, I was a real, real big fan of Nostrum, and kind of you got the vibes as soon as Ryan Moore got out of the stalls and pushed him on prominently on that debut. You thought, yeah, all right, this guy's all right. Um, it wouldn't actually surprise me if he got beat here and turned out to be the better three-year-old out of the field because he is a big two-year-old who, who looks sure to fit into his frame over the winter like it looks significant the fact that Sir Michael Stout was happy to run him here too the negative is obviously Ryan Moore seems to be quite important seems to have ridden him in loads of his work he'll obviously be claimed by the lads um, to ride uh, their representative in this um, so that's obviously a negative that would probably result in it being kind of a watching brief for me but yeah Nostrum I think is the most exciting going forward and I, I do hope he wins this because yeah he could be a proper proper three-year-old next year uh right your thoughts on the race yeah i was actually in complete agreement with you steve like i noted down the same thing that i think for me there's no doubt that nostrum will end up being the best horse out of this race long term um i just worry whether in this race if if sakia sort of gets first run on him um, being the sort of faster horse down at six furlongs, whereas Nostrum's both of his runs have come over seven furlongs. So obviously a big positive that Nostrum's proven at the trip, but I think Sakia will get the trip absolutely fine the way he finished off last time out in the Mill Reef. It's just whether Sakia maybe gets turn of foot on him first and goes a length or so clear, whether Nostrum has that in him to that similar turn of foot to try and close him down. Like I'm in agreement with you, Steve, that I think I, I could see Sakia getting first run on him and then Nostrum being a really strong staying on second and then ending up being a much better horse down the line. Like, I think Sakia is going to end up being a top mile the next year, whereas Nostrum, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think I can see him being a mile and quarter, mile and a half horse. You look through his pedigree with Imagining and, and Titus, both trained by Dermot Wilde, but both Judmont horses, they were both mile and a half, fairly decent middle distance horses. So, yeah, I think what Nostrum's doing it's just a bonus at the moment because it's all about next year for him. Uh, but I do think he is ultimately the best horse in the race. So for, for me, I, I had like whoever would be the, the bigger prize out of the two, I'd probably fancy. Like ultimately, I, I think I'll end up leaving the race alone. But if it goes something silly where Nostrum's like five to four evens and Sakia's like nine to four, five to two, I'd, I'd prefer Sakia. But, but similar for the other way around, I just think. Right now in this race, not much splits him because I think Sakia is a little bit more precocious, got a little bit more of a turn of foot, but I think Nostrum ultimately will be the better horse. So, yeah, completely sitting on the fence for me. OK, the final race at Newmarket we'll preview in full is the 340, the Cesarewitch handicap over two mile two. Um, a race won by jumps trainers in recent years. Uh, Willie Mullins has won this race 2018, 19 and 20 uh, and had Burning Victory finish second in it last year um he has scaramanga making his stable debut following his move from paul nichols um but it's actually the safi osborne ridden gibraltar who i actually prefer for this race 
Um, comes into it on the back of two wins on the flat at Leopardstown and Tremor. Uh, and we right in at the foot of the weights in here. Um, his trainer obviously knows what sort um, need is needed, obviously, to win this race. Um, yeah, and it's currently widely available at 20. Oh, no, not widely. Right, 20s in one place, 16 to 1 um, elsewhere. So, yeah, Gibraltar for me in the Cesarich at around 20 to 1, just given Woody Mullins' record in the race. Uh, right, this is your sort of race. I know, obviously, you're going to talk around draw and stuff, but obviously we're recording Wednesday before the draw is obviously out, but I'll pass over to you. Yeah, I won't harp on about the draw. I think I think ultimately you do want to be wide, especially in, in a lot of these big field handicaps, being wider is better, just because you can sort of determine where you are in the race. Like, if you are a prominent racer, you can get up there. If you're a holder post, it doesn't matter so much. Whereas if you're drawn, like, one to five in these types of races you're sort of you you don't really have much of a say obviously you can push a horse forward or, or restrain it but obviously it depends if, if 10 of them come across you at the top you can't really do much about it so yeah i do think ultimately wider is better obviously we'll see tomorrow what who's drawn where but yeah i'm going um with a two horse approach here I think a horse I've, I've liked a long long time for this is a horse with no name for, for nicky anderson I think as well, sort of over the last two weeks, I've, I've expected him to shorten up even more. But there's been other horses that have put in recent performances or, or tipped up recently that have been uh, that have overtaken him in the market. And he's sort of I won't, I won't say he's the forgotten horse because he's six to one in a 34 in a race. But um, yeah, he's sort of the one that's that's not really moved much because he's been Antipo's favourite for a long, long time. And then he sort of stayed the same price while others have shortened. But yeah, Ryan Moore was on earlier in the week. Uh, now Will Buick's on because. There's a couple of uh, cool more horses that Ryan Moore's probably going to ride, but obviously there's no no better jockey at the moment than Will Buick. Um, he's four from four in his last four flat races. A couple of them have come on softer than heavy, so he's got no issues with, with the ground whatsoever. Um, and literally it's just been a long-term plan. Like They had to get a couple of early wins into him to, to get him into the race. And as soon as he won last time out, I think both of them, he was ridden by Ryan Moore. He was just really clever, didn't didn't win by as too much, um, but got the the relevant rises that he needed to. And as soon as he won last time out early in the, the season, he's just been put away for it. The, the form's working out all right as well. Um, the second Master Milliner for Emma Val came out and won, and then came out again and won the big Goodwood handicap at the festival. So really good form there. And the third, Frank Estella, came out and was second to Alfred Butcher at York. Um, so that's a nice piece of form because Alfred Butcher obviously finished second in the Ebor. So, yeah, both of them have boosted the form by, by quite some way. Um, and I've just got no, I've got no problems with him being off this 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 time. Um, Nicky Henderson's won this is average three times. He obviously won it last year with Buzz. He was having a 194 day break and he hadn't ran since April when he ran over hurdles. Aintree um, landing light won it in 2003. He was off a 112 day break. He hadn't run since June. Um, yeah, he had uh, three and a half months off. And then Caracciola won it in 2008 and he was off a 70 day break, two and a half month layoff. He hadn't run since like the 3rd of August. So he's won it three times. All of them were off like three, three, five, six month breaks. And um, yeah, a horse with no name off for, for four months. Got no issues with that. He'll have got him ready at home. Like I say, did the same job with Buzz last year who hadn't run since Aintree and, and he just put him away for this. 
Um, so yeah, I, I can't see many negatives. Like he's got the best, one of the best jockeys on in Will Buick. He's really unexposed and progressive on the flat. Two from two at two miles, four for four in his last couple of flat races. One on soft and heavy. You know, stayed stayed up to Cheltenham Hill. So yeah, I've a horse with no name. One of my strongest selections in the race, and then. My second one, who I will be backing on the day because I think you'll get a much, much better price on the day. He's actually sort of been a bit of an anti-post horse for the race, but I think giving connections, you'll get a much better price on the day. And that's favourite moon for, for William Durkin, an Irish trainer. Um, he's only ever had two runners in the UK. Both of them were screaming colours um, who'd come over for the Midlands National twice and he'd finished fourth and first in the last two runnings of the Midlands National at Utoxta. So you know the trainer can sort of plot them coming over. Um and again, no problems with favourite moon staying the trip or with soft soft ground or worse. He's won twice on soft and heavy at Haydock, so you don't get much worse there. Um yeah, he won by eight lengths on soft at Haydock over one mile six. Went over to Australia when he was trained by William Haggis and won on heavy um in the Manion Cup over one mile four. And then he moved to William Durkin at the start of the season, who sort of campaigned him quite interestingly. Like he ran in a one mile four listed race at a big price. But then he actually went to the Galway Festival and ran in the big amateur handicap, which has actually been a good prep race for this, but mainly for Willie Mullins horses. Um, yeah, quite a lot of the, the Willie Mullins horses that ran midfield or ran eye catchingly in, in that big Galway handicap have come out and either won or done really well in the Cesaro, which obviously similar types of races. And Favourite Moon was just mega eye-catching there. He was, he was drawn 19. He was held up last. He didn't get a clear run on the bend. And then it was just hands and heels, but stayed on nicely um, into sixth. The form of that race was working out well. Like the first and the fourth horses, Echoes in Rain and Lots of Joy, both Willie Mullins trained. They were second and third in the Irish Cesaro, which um and obviously well handicapped horse um in waterville so yeah the form's been boosted there with them two running well in irish Zarowich. and uh yeah it's quite interestingly that he prepped for this by running over hurdles at down patrick which i doubt many have done before um but sort of just to protect his handicap mark rather than running on the flat anywhere um they sent him to down patrick for a maiden hurdle and he just bolted up by eight lengths it was obviously a really bad race but um he won without coming off the bridle and yeah obviously it served as a really good prep race because sort of get get the horse out get him uh, get an extra run under his belt and get get a bit more confidence under the horse so yeah as a horse i really really like for the race and like as soon as he won that down patrick novice they, they basically said that yeah he's going to the this is Aberwich and that was his prep my only my only question my only issue is the sort of jockey booking. At the moment, Shane Callie's on, like the, the Irish claimer Shane Callie, not the Gary Moore Shane Callie. Um, and he's only ever had one ride in England before, and his strike rate in Ireland's only 8%. Like, I'm not going to diss the lad too much because I don't know too much about him, but um, he doesn't have the best strike rates in Ireland, and he's only had one ride in England. So I, I just struggle to understand the jockey booking because, like, surely there's, there's loads of talented English claiming jockeys at the moment to take three five or or seven pounds off the horse and like looking through at the moment i don't know if any of these are sort of booked elsewhere but the likes of atsini jamie spencer james doyle holly doyle like none of them are booked on any rides at the moment so i mean surely one of them would, would happily jump on a 16 to one shot in the in the cesaro Witch. so yeah the, the jockey booking slightly worries me just because of the the jockeys inexperience in england and probably in big races like this like 
So that'd be my side out. But I think given connections, given it's sort of a, a lesser known Irish trainer and um, yeah, one of the hurdles last time, sort of a bit unconventional, I think you'll you'll definitely get a bigger price um, on him. He was like 33s a week ago and he's, he's sort of 16s now. But yeah, I think favourite moon, you'll get a price on the day. And then um, a horse with no name would be like my main fancy. I've long fancied the horse for, for this for, for a few, well, I was going to say since since she won last time out. So a horse with no name at, at six to one and, and favourite moon at 16 to one, but to back on the day. Two things and you've just saved yourself at the end. Yes, a horse I did. With no name is a mare. You just saved yourself. Maybe, maybe she should have a name. Sorry? I said maybe she should have a name and then it'd be easier to remember. <laughs> and secondly, you've brought up Favourite Moon and I still can't believe that day that he beat Subjectivist. Yes, that was bad times. When when Subjectivist got absolutely wiped out on the bend by some, some absolute yak at Haydock and got nearly ran out. Yeah. Got beaten off a mark of 97. Do you know what he ended up after he'd uh, won that Ascot race? Probably like 122 or something. 123 after his win in the Ascot Gold Cup. Ouch. Well, well, someone got half your princess beat off 53 at Red Car, so... That is true. It was 70, but... uh, (laughs) I'm over it. I'm over it. You guys aren't over that, but I'm over high field princess. (laughs) Tom, who'd you like? Uh, I, I quite like the horse with no name as well, but Rise covered literally everything and then more. So, um, yeah, I, I won't repeat him. But, yeah, I thought a horse with no name was kind of a, a really strong fancy of mine. So, yeah. You could just steal everything he said, but with she in, and then I'll just cut his <laughs> bit out. Yeah, well, I, I do plan on going to bed at some point tonight, so it's probably best I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we'll then go kind of back in time, I suppose. Obviously, we've got Chepstow, um, so the jumps is back. Um, Rye, I'm going to come to you. Obviously, you can go through Chepstow Friday and Saturday, to be honest. Uh, I'll come to you for that before we then go to anything else. Yeah, Chepstow's not going to be crazy for me. I mean, it's good to firm at the moment, so a lot of the big yards probably won't bother running running the horses that they were sort of planning on to, like... Obviously, Time Hill and McFabulous were entered in the novice chase, and they're not going to turn up on good to firm ground. But there is a there is a couple I actually quite like um, in the veterans chase on the Friday. Some chaos won the race last year off mark of 140. He then pulled up three times in a row, but they were all in big listed handicap chases. Uh, the Badger Beer, Badger Beers at Wincanton, the rehearsal at Newcastle, and then the Sky Bet at uh, Doncaster. So all really tough races. But then he sort of bounced back to form back in veterans company when he was second at Carlisle and, and third at Ascot. So he's a horse who goes really well fresh. He's got loads of form on good and good to firm ground. Um, and he's off a mark of 139, won the race last year off 140. So he's a horse that's sort of aimed at this time of year. Um, there's one in the 4.35 a handicap chase at Chepstow called Gallop du Bosque for Tim Vaughan. Now, I was, I was sort of looking through Tim Vaughan because he's, he's a trainer of, I, I used to quite like, and then he's just gone right off the boil. But I was looking at um, his form like four years ago and three years ago. He was a solid sort of 12, 13% trainer. 
uh, both them years he got 45 winners and then he just had he had a terrible year where he had four percent strike rate and only 15 winners it was just shocking like nothing was going right for him but so far this year i think he's had seven winners and he's on a 22 percent strike rate so he's he's only like he's had half the amount of winners this year already than he had in the whole of last season um and he's got an obviously much much healthier strike rate i don't know if there was a bug in the yard or something like that but you do get sometimes get these trainers that have just one horrific season and then have a really good season the year after and that could be happening with tim vaughan but um i like this horse he won uh, a hurdle race and a, and a chase in france for cotton and um yeah ran in a couple of big chases or toy but didn't really do much he's like pulled up but just at least ran in them um and he moved to tim vaughan and he's never actually ran under rules but he went point to pointing and, and sort of last year over the winter didn't do much in point to points but this summer um he's, he's sort of flourished like he beat luke snout white brian who was also with tim vaughan under rules and he was 130 rated chaser this lad's running off a mark of 108 um he's won his last three in point to points the the third one back was a walkover so he didn't have to do anything but his last two runs were both in points on good to firm ground and both runs he won by uh, eight lengths and eight and a half lengths by making all of the running so if it's good to firm um obviously which it looks like it's going to be he could be really really well handicapped if he's sort of a horse that's taken a year or so to acclimatize coming from france um and he's won his last couple making the running on good to firm he he could be one who's really well handicapped off a mark of 108 if he gets out and starts starts winging the fences in front um especially given sort of he never ever ran under rules before so the handicap is taking a big guess with sort of his ability um so yeah he's one that i sort of liked yeah, and then finally in the Fairy House bumper, it's an auction bumper on Saturday, the last race. Um, Noel Meads won the race for two out of the last seven years, and he won it with Snow Falcon, who was quite a big horse for him um, a couple of years ago. And Nucky Johnson was really eye-catching at, at Fairy House um, back in April in a, a really good bumper, which has produced a couple of winners. He was sort of howled up right at the back and stayed on eye-catchingly into third, and it looks a really, really poor renewal, like... Um, there's nothing really attractive from Mullins or Elliot in the race, and there's quite a few for quite a few horses in the race with poor form. So, sort of him coming from a really good spring bumper at Fairy House. Um, normally, he'd want a bumper the other day as well at Galway. So, yeah, his yard's in good form, and I thought Nucky Johnson would take. A, he'd probably be open up favourite, but I thought he'd take a fair bit of beating in that race. Okay, Tom, I'll come to you for anything else, obviously including Chepstow. No, Chepstow can get in the bin. <laughs> um, I thought it was it was really difficult for anything else because uh, there were a few that I kind of like, semi-like at York, but I, it all depends what the ground's like. Like, it's good ground at the minute. It's meant to absolutely piss it down on Friday. So I don't know how much it's going to get into the ground on Friday and therefore Saturday. So it was really difficult. But um, there's a couple that I'll give a shout out to. Um, Rye seems to have omitted Gulliver from uh, Saturday uh, for the race that he won um, in 2020 and 2019 um, off marks of 100 and 102. He's down to 94 this year. He ran a really eye-catching race at the Curra. Um He was a bit disappointing in the Air Gold Cup, but I, I think the ground was just a little bit too quick for him. As much rain as possible for him on that Friday. Um, uh, on the Friday, though, um, it's not so much a tip, but I would love to see Copper Knight win the Copper Knight handicap at York. Just absolutely legend, loves the game, loves York, 
would love nothing more than to see him win a, a kind of handicap named after him at York. Um, and on Saturday, it's not so much a bet, but I backed Epictetus. I apologise to any philosophers if I've bunched, uh, butchered the pronunciation, but I backed him for the Guineas a couple of months ago. I was really impressed with his debut. Like The time was fantastic. I think the form's working out pretty well as well. So I'm just really excited to see him coming back in the autumn stakes. But um, yeah, as far as kind of actual bets go, I, I kind of struggled because I was mainly focused on the York. And yeah, the ground being a bit of a kind of uncertainty made it quite difficult. So yeah, just, just likely Gulliver in the hope that there's plenty of rain. Okay, I just have one more Um I tipped Rage of Bambi for the Rockfell Stakes last time. She ran well to finish third of 14 that day, um, obviously behind commissioning. That was a stronger contest um, than I actually think that the race that has just escaped me. I think it's... The Oso Sharp. Yeah, the Oso Sharp on Friday. That's correct. That is the 2.25. Yeah, I thought that was a better contest than this. Um, I didn't think this was a... uh, that good a race. Um, if she runs up to her rating of 102, I thought she'd prove hard to beat. She's around five to one for the oh so sharp stake. So rage of Bambi for me in that. Uh, Ryan, nothing else to add? No, but I do agree with Gulliver. What Tom said. That's fine. I was just checking that you hadn't left out your flat one. Cool. We'll move on to naps of the weekend. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you go first. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll go a horse with no name, um, even though I butchered the gender of it. Um, hopefully she can pay me and uh, win the win the Cesarewitch. Yeah, she's sixes in one place, so I'll give you that. Uh, Tom? I'll, I was going to go a horse with no name, but um, I'll go Nostrum in the Dewhurst at 11-4. By the way, by the way, just, just on Nostrum, I was going to point this out earlier. The biggest is two to one at the moment. Buggers. Yeah, <laughs> biggest two to one in the short six to four. Like he's been smashed up in the last couple of hours. The only so. the only bookie that was left on eleven to four was Bet Victor, and while we were recording, I tried, but it's gone. Bastards. Oh, I'll then, still I'll still stick with him because uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like sea of blue and everything else is sea of red. Is there not is is it going to be a non-runner in it or not or something? I don't know. He's been smashed up. <laughs> But naval powers like drifted out to five, so I swear he was like two to one at one stage. Interesting. Um, my nap will be Pogo, I think it's too big of a price. Four to one in the challenge stakes at Newmarket on Friday. Uh, thank you for listening to the Hunt podcast. I uh, will be back next week to preview Champions Day at Ascot. Yes, right, you've got to talk about the flat one more time. <laughs> it's bye from me, from Tom. TTFN. And from right. Not long to go now. <laughs> Goodbye, good luck.